Here we go. Welcome everyone. This is Recovery Dharma. My name is Julia and I am here to facilitate our beautiful practice. For anyone joining us for the first time today, just an extra, extra warm welcome. Thank you for um, being with us. Thank you for prioritizing this hour to practice with us and to uh, share in the spirit of this beautiful community and to leave such a a positive impression here for all of us to to have and to heal with. On Wednesdays, we have this wonderful practice of exploring the wonderful work of Roshi Joan Halifax and her book, Standing at the Edge. And the edge is this, is this state right here, this edge state, where if you get too close to the edge and fall over, yee, some pretty gnarly consequences can happen. And at the same time, if you don't dare to get close to the edge and see what's there, we tend not to grow. We tend to get complacent and apathetic in our view. So an edge state is that wonderful balance place of, it's a kind of a moving target in a way of not going overboard and not getting, um, not getting too complacent, not being too scared, being right there at the edge where a lot of curious and interesting growth can happen. We're starting a whole new section in this book called Engagement. And for the month of April, we have been exploring in our Recovery Dharma practice all about forgiveness. So I'm going to share with you a, a, a story that Roshi wrote um, and looks at forgive or looks at engagement. And I'm just inviting us individually to see if you can take some of the wisdom uh, of her writing and apply it to your own efforts and wise actions around forgiveness. I invite you to find a noble posture. And... Nobility in the posture can take on any form, really. Uh, it's just the application of that word, noble, a noble posture. What does that mean to you? And put your body in that meaning. It could mean lying down. It could mean sitting up nice and tall with a straight spine and your shoulders rolled back. You could find nobility in stillness. Maybe you have some agitation alive in the mind and body. And so movement is a wonderful, noble way of working with that. Arrive to your body in a noble way with a noble mind and allow your body to be and breathe. And let's breathe together the wonderful awareness of 
taking an hour of our time today to prioritize a meeting. Whether you have a story in your mind that says, I need a meeting, it could be true. That might actually be true. And the truth is, even when we've all experienced times in our lives when we've needed a meeting, but we've prioritized something else. So, needing a meeting and making it to a meeting, there can be miles separating the two. The fact that they came together for you today is something worth noticing. Bravo us. These are the words of Roshi Joan Halifax, Chapter 5, Engagement. Years ago at Upaya, this is the institute uh, Roshi Joan created and is abbess of. Years ago at Upaya, I noticed a young Mexican worker who was slowly and carefully stacking adobe blocks to be used in remodeling one of our buildings. During the course of the project, he continued to work with the same quality of mindfulness, and there was often a a slight smile on his face, whether he was laying pipe or plastering a wall. At the end of the project, I invited Jose to stay on at Upaya as our go-to handyman. Jose slipped into the stream of Upaya's everyday life, inspiring some of our residents and guests. One day, while working alongside Jose on a garden project, I thought about an exchange between the 17th century Japanese Zen master Basho and one of his monks. What is the essence of your practice? The monk asked Basho. The master responded, Whatever is needed. Like Basho, Jose seemed to be engaged in whatever was needed, not just functionally, but also existentially, as if his work were a spiritual practice. Whether he was dealing with plumbing issues, electrical failures, or doing flood prevention, Jose appeared to work with total connection and no stress. Of course, Jose was not working in a classroom full of rebellious adolescents, nor was he dealing with the intractable pain of a dying person or the emotional demands of an unemployed constituent. Those who work in environments where suffering is the daily fare are at risk for feeling worn out and disheartened. Still, I believe that healthy engagement can cut across all professions. I have a colleague who teaches elementary school in a low-income neighborhood. She begins her classes with meditation. Kids' paintings hang on the walls. The windowsills are lined with thriving plants. Her students are at the top of their age group in math, and she attributes that to how they start their day. She tells me her days are good, too. 
I'm close to a politician from the Rust Belt who never seems to turn away from his constituents' needs. I hear he almost always has a smile on his face, even as he deals with the complexities of Washington. He is a long-term meditation practitioner. Then there is the CEO who has shifted her company's priorities toward profit sharing as well as vision sharing. She has raised four healthy kids at the same time and is flourishing. And the Kentucky poet farmer who stands by his principles of environmental responsibility even as nearby mountaintops are being blown off. His humor, dislike of technology, love of the land and poetry keep him balanced, sane, and prolific. I've learned from all of them, but perhaps especially from Jose. Through my friendship with him, I came to see that our deeper identity lies less in what we do and more in how we hold what we do. How we engage with our work, whether laying bricks, making laws, or sitting with dying people. The term engagement is how psychologist Dr. Christina Maslach describes a healthy relationship to our work and service to others, while burnout is the fatigue and discouragement resulting from an unhealthy relationship to our vocation. When I began to examine engagement and burnout, I realized that engagement is an edge state. When we stand on the solid ground of engagement, we find strength in our work. Our service to others may have its challenging moments, but in general, we are absorbed and gratified by what we do. Our livelihood enhances the qualities of our lives while ideally enhancing the quality of others' lives as well. But when we work too many hours under untenable circumstances for too little emotional reward, or when we feel our efforts aren't making a positive difference to others, these factors can push us to the limit of what we can sustain. From there, it's easy to fall over the edge and into the bleak, landscape of burnout, where we feel jaded and demoralized, where we lose our heart and taste for work, where we lose our desire to serve. The violence of overwork can become habitual and lead us to burnout, a swamp that can be difficult to crawl out of. Some stay stuck there for years, unable to reignite their passion. But when we do find our way out of burnout and back to a livelihood that nourishes others and ourselves, we also find resilience and perhaps even wisdom. Friends, I invite each of us in a very gentle and loving way to consider recovery 
to consider understanding the nature of our habit energy, to consider the excavation of embedded hurt and wounding and trauma, our sacred work. And in that context, when we honor this work, this effort, when we find a way out of our habit energy, of our substance misuse and abuse, of our habit energy creating confusion and chaos, when we find our way out of all of it, back into wise livelihood, livelihood that nourishes ourselves, opens our minds, calms the heart, elevates the spirit for ourselves and for others. Maybe, just maybe, we find our resilience and our wisdom too. I'd like to invite us together as a community to engage this practice in silence, allowing the body in its noble posture to breathe. Allow your thoughts and stories to be light. And should you wander away in a thought or a memory, or a story. Smile at yourself for catching it and being aware, and then return to your breathing. This is engagement. This is effort. May you enjoy your practice.
friends. What is the essence of your practice? What is the essence of your journey? If we follow the wisdom of Basho, then the answer is to engage whatever is needed. Don't forget, friends, that on the journey of recovery, part of the engagement is to determine what we need. We don't always know. So when you can identify your needs, satisfy them, ask for help in achieving them, what an amazing place to start. Bravo you. Bravo us. All righty, friends. Let's go ahead and end our practice with a dedication of merit. Today, in this morning in Seva, I ended our practice by reciting the four vows of Shantideva that I have rewritten and reimagined. He was an 8th century monk, very, very famous. He basically uh, brought forward into our consciousness the way of the bodhisattva. These are our ways of being in the world, to be a whole human being, having a spiritual experience, as well as a spiritual being having a whole human experience. And Shantideva was able to harmonize that, the spiritual being and the human being together, as a fully embodied, wise person to ease suffering. And I think it is no small thing It's not even a selfish thing to want to and make the effort to heal our own suffering. I know many of us have been conditioned to think that it is. But truly, any time you heal suffering within yourself, it extends out in ways not yet seen in the world. It really is like putting your own oxygen mask on first. You cannot be of service if you are not well. So to heal yourself is to heal the world. And so today I'd like to dedicate our practice to all of our friends far and wide, all around the globe, suffering in whatever way they do. And here are the four vows that I am quite committed to exploring, and may they inspire your practice too. All beings know pain and confusion. 
I vow to bring ease and clarity. The ways of delusion, rejection, and diminishment are endless. I vow to be spacious for healing and transformation. The paths of truth are infinite. I vow to joyfully devote myself to their realities. Awakening to the wholeness of life is a sacred purpose. I vow to embody it. For as long as space remains, for as long as sentient beings remain, may I too remain to dispel the misery of the world. And boy, do you ever, by your presence here and your practice, thank you for being such an enormous wellspring of inspiration, affection, and care. I hope to see you next time. Namaste.